It's time for JT the Brick. I can't tell you how emotionally upset I get when I talk to him knowing that that man should be in Canton, Ohio, and for whatever reason, the Hall of Fame can't get that right. The countdown to Canton is on. We were the best team. We deserve to be world champions. I'm proud of you. Tom Flores. I have Trish wife right now just thinking about it. Charles Woodson. You know, I, I went out there and I played my played my heart out each and every Sunday. As these Raiders are inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame, we honor them on Raider Nation Radio. Just win, baby. The countdown to Canton is on. Here's your host, JT the Brick. Great to have you here on a Thursday, JT, with you as we do countdown to Canton. Off to Canton tomorrow. So this is our last show of the week, and we'd like to send off Tom Flores and Charles Woodson in a big way today. Really exciting time with the Raiders on the field, out in Henderson, and an exciting time in Canton, Ohio, as Charles Woodson and the great Tom Flores get their day with their gold jackets coming up this weekend as they both get inducted on Sunday. And I'll be there for that, and I'll report back on that when we come back. But just think we do what we've been doing the last couple of weeks. You fans have been incredible. We've taken a whole bunch of calls, sending them off in a big way. Now's the last show. So I'm hoping we can bring it to a crest today and maybe hear some Woodson and Flores stories. Violator, we had Violator on this week. He gets into the NFL Hall of Fans. And it's going to be a great time. A lot of Raider Nation have reached out on Twitter and on social media, Facebook, who are going to be out there. So I'm looking forward to it. I think this is going to be very unique, what is happening with the amount of people that are going back, the big, big names that are going in, including Peyton Manning, in that class on Sunday, and then what they did with that Blue Ribbon panel, which most Raider Nation isn't a fan of, that was the 2020 class that left out Tom Flores and left out Cliff Branch, and they let a whole bunch of guys in, and now the class that's coming up this year, they're going to combine them both and have that massive induction in Canton over two nights, so I'm excited. I really like the Hall of Fame. I like the history of the league. I love the history of the Raiders really is one of the most historic teams in sports history. They've won three Super Bowls. They've played in five. They should have played many more. Their best decades were the 60s, 70s, and 80s with a little bit of success in the 90s and early 2000s, but it's been lean for a while now. And as Mark Davis says, you know, the Raiders have a lot of the living in the past. A lot of the Raiders, if you look back at their past, it's historic. Now it's time for the Raiders to get into the future. And start winning games now that matters so the Raiders 20 years from now could have new Hall of Famers in Canton, Ohio in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. All right, we open up the show with breaking news. Adam Schefter reporting that former Seahawks veteran linebacker K.J. Wright is in Las Vegas to meet with the Raiders. It's a familiar scheme with former Seahawks defensive coordinator Gus Bradley now being the Raiders defensive coordinator. Here's the deal, K.J. Wright for about a decade, was one of the best linebackers in football, period. Especially in that system in Seattle. So he knows the system that Gus is running. He's a heck of a player. I just don't know how much he has left. So that was a big deal. So this is a big deal. This just broke 14 minutes ago. And I don't think the Raiders have been strong at linebacker for many, many years. And K.J. Wright is better than a decade of Raider linebackers who have suited up in the silver and black. Fact, not fiction. Much better than most of them. So if he's got something left and they're bringing him in to work him out and he makes the team, that's a guy you bring in to start. 
who can cover the pass. He can go sideline to sideline. He's been a big playmaker throughout his career, picking off passes. And whose job will he take? We'll get into that here in a little bit. The news yesterday as we wrapped up the show, Gerald McCoy signed with the Raiders. The third overall pick in 2010 is now on his fourth team, McCoy. Signing with the Raiders, the team announced that move yesterday. A six-time Pro Bowler spent nine seasons with the Buccaneers, cut by Tampa two years ago. He signed with the Panthers and joined the Cowboys, also coming off a significant injury, but the Raiders worked him out. And again, he is better than anybody that the Raiders have by a long shot in the interior defensive line. Jonathan Hankins is a nice player. Solomon Thomas was brought in to compete. Quinton Jefferson, they are not at the level of Gerald McCoy. So here's where I think you could help out today, Raider Nation, and this is important. Why do you believe the Raiders are doing this? Why is Gruden and Mayock making these decisions with two of the best defensive players in all of football the past 10 years? K.J. Wright and Gerald McCoy, pro, really good players, pro bowlers, near the end of their career getting another shot in Vegas. Now remember, you can't say that they're an old team and they're bringing in old guys because they're very young. If you look at the secondary and you look at the cornerbacks and you look at some of the wide receivers, Ruggs and Edwards and what they have, Andre James at center, they're a young team. So by bringing in a couple of veterans, how do you feel about it? But my big question is simply this. I've been out at most of the practices so far this year, and there's only so much you can see as you're standing on the sideline. What do you think Gruden saw in these practices with his coaches, Rod Marinelli, and Gus Bradley that led them to believe that they had to go out and make moves like this. Because these are big moves. I mean, if these moves were made four years ago, instead of now, the Internet would break. But how much do these guys have left? And what message is Gruden saying by bringing them in? Is he telling us indirectly that the guys who he's had at practice aren't good enough? Is he telling us that he's looking at these guys every day and they're okay, but he doesn't think he can win with them? I don't have the answer. I don't. I think I'll get the answer here in the next couple of weeks, depending on what happens here with McCoy and what we're going to see, obviously, with this new signing of K.J. Wright. But Nicholas Morrow can play. Corey Littleton can play. Nick Witkowski is kind of a guy, I thought more of a special teams player, but a guy who can make some plays at the linebacker position. But he's nowhere near Wright coming in from Seattle. Not even close, not in the same zip code, period. So the Raiders just strengthen their defense if both of these guys make the team. Now, they both have to make the team, right? They both have to make the team. Yannick Ngakwe just tweeted, I want to see this defense eat. It's bigger than me. So they got to bring in Yannick Ngakwe. You bring in Trevon Merrick. You bring in Gus Bradley. Tanner Muse is back. I look at the rest of the defense. Casey Hayward, a two-time Pro Bowler. And now the Raiders have brought in a bunch of veterans up front, in the middle, and on the back end. Casey Hayward on the back end, which I think is a big deal. Then you get K.J. Wright coming in here today. Let's assume he signs. If he does under Gus Bradley, Gus got a player that's made so many plays for him. He's a new linebacker, and Gerald McCoy didn't come here to sit out, sit out and not play. So those are three pretty recent additions to the Raider defense with the Raiders having several defensive players who were drafted high that need to step up this year. So Raider fans need to have really strong opinions on what's going on here. When I know certain things, which I know, and I get tipped off on them, I tell you. 
When I don't know, I tell you. I don't know why. I don't know what the reason in the meeting rooms were to bring in Gerald McCoy and to bring in K.J. Wright, but I'm assuming that they don't think they have what they need after you know going on two weeks of practice and a couple of padded practices. That's what I'm thinking. Only time will tell. How excited, Raider fans, are you about this? At least you know if McCoy and Wright make the team and they're starters that they're going to line up at the right spot. They're going to be there. They're going to be able to blow up the line of scrimmage. I mean, some of the video that I saw on NFL Network on Gerald McCoy over the last five years, the ultimate disruptor. I mean, the ultimate disruptor. Kind of like an Indomitian Sioux player, but Indomitian Sioux was the player that they went with and won a Super Bowl with. But McCoy was a great player. And then a couple of the videos that I've seen on social media. And remember, I, I saw most of the games. I saw a lot of K.J. Wright play football with Seattle and how good they've been. That's a pretty good player. So I'm excited about this. I don't know how excited you are. So let me know at 702-365-9200. But what I care more about is I care more about your opinion on why this is happening all of a sudden. These are moves that I think the Raiders did a good job waiting, 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 because depending on what happens with these contracts, I think they're getting these players at a bargain basement price, and they're good players. So there's a lot going on in this organization right now, on and off the field. But I'm focusing on the field, and why are they making these moves? And it's going to be a lot of fun to see these guys out of practice trying to make the team. And we already knew that everybody else was getting a fire lit under their ass. We already knew that it was very competitive because Gus Bradley told me when he got the job and he said at his press conference in Henderson that he wants levels of fresh players coming in. He wants rotations coming in. But two players on the Raiders lost their job over this. We just don't know who they're going to be. Gerald McCoy coming in if K.J. Wright gets signed. Those are two defensive players most likely that are going to be gone. And then the Jalen Richard injury as Rashawn talked about that Vic Tafer retweeted it as I saw that earlier today and look I've, I've been a fan I've been a fan of Jalen Richard for a number of years he's kind of like a Swiss army knife but Deshaun Reed reported first today Jalen Richard has sustained a foot injury and will be out indefinitely sources tell the athletic he missed the first few practices of training camp after being placed on the COVID-19 list and will now miss more time. Vegas has five other active running backs on the roster. So it's nice to have Jalen. I thought that Jalen, like Carl Nassib, and a couple of players were going to come right down to the wire to make the team or get cut. I said that weeks ago. How many running backs can you have? You brought in Kenyon Drake for a reason. Kenyon Drake's a 1,000-yard all-purpose guy, and you got Josh Jacobs. Jalen Richard could take back some punts for you, do a lot of things, but the Raiders... Have Hunter Renfro to do that and Henry Ruggs III on kickoffs and punts. So I don't know. It looks like he will not be here, but we wish him well in his recovery, and maybe he will make the team. And we'll talk a little bit about that. So that's where we stand today, but it's all about the Hall of Fame as we pay tribute to Tom Flores. I was on TV in Fresno, not too far from his hometown in Sanger. Yesterday, I'll play a portion of that interview coming up here in a little bit. Kevin Bollinger will join us from Fox 5. He's been out at practice, and they have a lot of games, and they're doing a lot of preseason work. So he's interviewed Carr and Gruden. So hopefully he has some really good information, as he always does for us. And then we'll get into some of the headlines that are coming up from the Olympics. USA Basketball won last night. I don't think anybody saw it. Simone Biles got the bronze. 
There's baseball news and NBA free agency as Ryan Hollins will join me sometime next hour on the show. So a good day for phone calls. Don't disappoint. You're not going to disappoint me. I'm used to doing this no matter who calls in. But I think there's a lot of Raider fans out there that want to call in on Flores and Woodson. I saw Charles today on Good Morning America when I got up this morning and he did a live hit from Canton. And just a lot of people just ready to go out there. People are traveling today or tomorrow. And the Raiders will have a big contingency in Canton of Hall of Famers, gold jackets, as they welcome in Tom Flores and the great Charles Woodson. Let's get out the stoner dude. Start us off on Raider Nation Radio. What's happening? Hey, JT, man. You know what? I, I, you ask, why are they making these moves? It's simple to me. I know it's too simple, but it's simple. They want to win now. They have to win now. They want to win a Super Bowl. It's all about championships. We got the new stadium. We got a new team, a new look, new coaches, and John Gruden wants to win. And that's the best, that's the best reason I could think of. But, and, JT, I've been calling on the defensive tackle position for years. Yeah. And I know we had a lot of guys this year, but I don't know who the guy was, the man. And they, bringing in uh, Gerald McCoy is exactly the type of move I was hoping Mike Mayock would make it an 11th-hour old-school Raider move. To, to bolster this defense to win. And they got a 17 games to play, too. Uh, real quick on Tom Flores, that's my generation. I grew up, I saw both games live, right in front of the TV screen. Uh, Tom Flores, calm, cool, collected, a presence, a leader, head coach over some of the great misfit renegades, uh, Raiders of all time. And, of course, Charles Woodson, of course, one of my favorite uh, players of all time. Violator, congratulations. The eyes of the nation are on you. Enjoy the moment. Thank you, Stoner Dude, checking in on everything. He covered everything about Gerald McCoy and K.J. Wright coming in today to get evaluated. Sure, the Raiders want to win. It's a very good point he said about the new stadium. We lost a year without fans in the building. A lot of money. A lot, a lot went down with that. And now the Raider fans are coming in here, and Raider fans want to win. But I'm just wondering if there's something that we're missing with what they're evaluating with the players up front. Or as Vic Tafer, who's a really good insider, tweeted out, you know, the price was right on both these guys. The price is right. So the price keeps dropping. Like McCoy, the price is right for K.J. Wright and Gerald McCoy. And if you can get these guys in cheap on a short-term deal with a lot of incentives in there if they make plays, that's awesome. Because Gerald McCoy has got enough tackles and sacks and plays on tape. Everybody knows how great of a player he is. He's a brilliant player. He did not forget how to play football, but can he stay healthy? Can he stay healthy and be legit and do that and play the way he even played in Carolina before he joined the Cowboys and got hurt? I don't know. Again, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a trainer, but the Raiders have doctors and trainers who get paid to do this. 702-365-9200. Let's go again. Tom Flores, Charles Woodson. The Hall of Fame, if you happen to be going to the Hall of Fame, let me know about that as we open up the show here. The other breaking news today is Kirk Cousins is not vaccinated, and he's acting the fool. We've talked about this. I'm vaccinated. I encourage people to get vaccinated. And now Kirk Cousins is trending because of what he said earlier today. And the Vikings aren't happy about it, and there's no doubt about it that his coach, Mike Zimmer, isn't happy about it. So Kirk Cousins is in a really difficult spot because he's the franchise quarterback of the team. And he's doubling down on anti-vaxxing. 
and there's a lot of rules about who he can be around, what he can do, how he's preparing, and it's a big deal. It is a big deal here because he's going to get a lot of heat around the league, and he's become a complete, absolute distraction. Vikings quarterback Kirk Cousins was activated from the COVID-19 reserve list today, having completed the NFL-required five-day quarantine. And he just doesn't believe in vaccinations at all, and he believes that he can put himself around some plexiglass and it'll work out just as good. So I don't know what to tell you on this. He's one of the few people out there that is not vaccinated and making a big deal about it. And the NFL doesn't want to deal with any of this. The NFL wants everything to be quiet. They want everybody to be vaccinated. They want everybody to follow the rules. So now we know that Kirk Cousins is the leader of the anti-vaxxers. He's their new hero. He says he's been doing a lot of research. When asked if he's made contact with Dr. Alan Sills of the NFL, he said no. He said no. No one's doing any research. People either want the vaccine or they don't. They're waiting for FDA approval or not. They're not doing research. How, How stupid is that? You really think Kirk Cousins is sitting in a room with his playbook looking at the New England Medical Journal of Medicine? Do you really think he's doing that? He's not. He just has strong beliefs that he doesn't want to be vaccinated. And now that's all they're talking about with the Minnesota Vikings. That's the only thing that's coming out of camp for them. And it's a big deal because the owner, the Wilt family, doesn't want to deal with any of this. And Mike Zimmer has been very, very, very vocal about it. Very vocal about it. So that's a big deal. And then there's news of a potential trade with Deshaun Watson and the Eagles and the Texans. There is a rumor there. There are reports today that it's not heating up. Deshaun Watson continues to be a member of the Houston Texans. There's a good chance that's going to be the case for a while, according to Pro Football Talk. Contrary to a report that there was a trade talk coming between the Eagles and the Texans, it's not happening. It is not heating up, according to Mike Florio. So we'll see how this plays out. Look, uh, someone's going someone's gonna to roll the dice on Deshaun Watson and win the lottery if he gets his name cleared. It's a big risk, right? It's a huge risk because if he doesn't clear his name, he doesn't play this year and he doesn't play next year and the commissioner whacks him for a long period of time, that's going to be a bit of a problem. So these are huge storylines as we open up the show today. And we're looking to get some Raider fans in here, more than one an hour. So let's wake up the Raider fans as I'm on the road because I could have split to Canton today. I'm here for one more day to get everybody fired up for Woodson and Flores. 702-365-9200 as we open up the show. And we got a lot to cover today. A lot to cover today because this is a big deal within the Raider organization for Mark Davis and the entire organization as they're going back there. I wanted to bring something up on the air, which is a serious serious topic we do a lot with the m resort and spa and a gentleman who worked there by the name of michael freedy uh, passed away and we wanted to pass on a story about one of our fellow las vegans who passed away last week due to complications related to covid19 the name the gentleman is michael freedy better known as big mike by his friends he was a manager in the table games pit at m resort Big Mike was a father of five and was engaged to be married to his fiancée, Jessica. He will certainly be missed by his family, friends, co-workers over at our partner casino, M Resort. Jessica went on TV last week and in a very touching segment explained how she and Mike had not gotten around to getting vaccinated. 
She has since done so and is encouraging others to do the same. Big Mike, from what everybody tells me, was a really good guy. And he passed on way too soon, leaving five kids behind. If you're willing or able to help Jessica and the family as she moves forward raising five children, please visit Big Mike's GoFundMe page and please help out and do whatever you can at GoFundMe.com. If you go into GoFundMe.com, they've already raised over $71,000. Mike, father of five, who just passed away. Uh, Jessica Duprez is the organizing fundraiser. They reached out to us after I reached out to them. And we're going to try to help out Big Mike and his legacy with his five kids. So it's GoFundMe. Go to GoFundMe.com and just put in Mike. Big Mike and it'll come right up. And you can really make a difference with these five kids who just lost their dad. Real sad story that has been all over the news here in Las Vegas. And again, he wanted he, he knows he should have been vaccinated. He said that at the end of his life. His fiance said the same thing. And we hope we can play a small role in helping out because we do a lot over at the M. And we want to help out uh, one of their brothers who was lost. 702-365-9200. When we come back, a lot of uh, dealings in the NBA with free agency. But we're spending time today talking about the Raiders and the potential new signing. Gerald McCoy is signed, and according to Adam Schefter, linebacker K.J. Wright will be in the building. And if he's in the building... That's one hell of a player who Gus is familiar with. Former Seahawk veteran linebacker K.J. Wright is here in Vegas with the Raiders. Kevin Bollinger from Fox 5 is going to join us next. Well, you know, it wasn't, in, it wasn't as it wasn't as big a thing when I first started. Uh, I never thought about it. Um, I don't think I never felt I was hired because of my ethnic background. I was hired because of what I could do on the field as a player and as a coach. Induction day is Sunday. Here's more countdown to Canton. Turn up Carlos. Carlos uh, did something with Coach Flores. The Raiders put it out on Twitter and Instagram. It was really nice. Carlos Santana talked about his love of the Raiders and the way the Raiders walked and their leadership. Carlos Santana, one of the prized possession photos I have in my house in my office is a picture I took with Carlos on the sideline of a Raider game. And Tony Gonzalez, who was the photographer at the time, he stood there and we stood there and it was a rainy day. So it was rainy on the sidelines and Carlos put up two Two fingers making the peace sign, and when he clicked the picture, he said, Jim Plunkett. And I was just, I laughed. Uh, he loves Jim Plunkett. He loves Tom Flores. Jim Plunkett will be in Canton, and Tom Flores is getting in in the relationship that he has with Carlos Santana. You know, Tom Flores had to wait a long time to get in because of the politics of the Hall of Fame. I talked about this with Paul Gutierrez for a podcast that's going to be coming out on Tom Flores shortly and it's just a shame because coach flores wasn't a political guy he wasn't a divisive guy he wasn't a gossip he wasn't a guy who tried to divide people he's a gentleman and there was just a lot of raider hatred in that room at times the obvious raiders got in but then when you took a look at lester hayes cliff branch jim plunkett tom flores ken stabler a number of players there were just too many people in that room 
who would vote against the Raiders. And it happened for so long. Look at how long Tim Brown had to wait. I mean, Tim Brown retired third. When he retired from the game, third in yards, third in receptions. I think he waited seven or eight years. I'll double-check the exact time he waited. Way too long. And I thought it was getting to Timmy at the end there because, you know, this was getting ridiculous. It was ridiculous that Tim Brown had to wait. I think overall, no one had to wait longer than Tom Flores because of the age that he's at now in his early 80s, and he should have been there in his mid-60s. And there's a lot of life to live for Coach Flores now the rest of his life. But he could have been walking around with a gold coat for the last 15 years in Canton, coming back with Fred Bolitnikoff, Jim Otto, former teammates and players, and he'd go back, but he didn't have a gold coat. So I can't imagine the emotion that is running through the room and Mark Davis and Mrs. Davis, who will be inducting him, and everybody else. Anybody who's known Tom Flores understands how big of a moment this is for he and his family, his wife, his kids and grandkids. But it's a big moment for the Raiders because Al Davis isn't with us anymore and he couldn't fight for Tom Flores the way he loved to fight for his players. And finally, Flores gets his due. Big Al in San Francisco, thanks for waiting. What's happening? No, not too much. I'm very happy that Coach is uh, finally getting his due. It's going to be a great day. It's going to be a great day, and I'm glad all the – all the old Raiders are showing up for this, or as many as possibly can. I think it's good. As I like to say, I think it's great stuff. So, but, uh, well, with the Raider defense and so forth, this was such a terrible, terrible defense last year. And you, you just knew when you're watching the games that they just weren't going to be able to hold teams back. And I think that, you know, they bring in a new coordinator, and therefore it's a new system, and they're just going to try to find guys that they can fit in. I expect this to be, you know, basically a, a – you know, a mass revolving door of players coming in, older players and free agents, you know, younger free agents or undrafted guys, just being able to find guys that can do what Bradley's looking to do. I don't expect them to go from, you know, a bottom tier defense to a top tier mm-hmm. defense in, the, you know, in one season, but I do expect improvement. And then next year, I expect, I, you know, my expectations of them next year will be much higher. It takes a while, you know, to turn that over. And with the NFL salary cap, and, you know, with existing contracts, you just can't just gut, it, gut your defense and bring in another 11 starters and another, you know, roughly 15 backups. It doesn't work like that. Yeah, Big Al, you make a good point about this team is that it doesn't matter who, where you've played in the past, how old you are. I mean, you like younger players in their prime. You like to trade, maybe go out and trade with draft picks. But they're going to have, I like what you said, a revolving door. If anybody gives them an upgrade, and Mayock has preached this, from day one, he says they evaluate the quarterback in every position. This is an example of it with K.J. Wright and Gerald McCoy that they've been evaluating here since the start of camp and a couple of days in padded practices. Then, boom, the price drops where they could possibly get two former pro bowlers at a cheaper price, one who's played with Gus Bradley and the other one who's just a disruptor in the middle of the field. So I like this. I was not expecting it at the start of camp. So to me, this is like Christmas in August for the Raiders to bring these additional players in. I mean, you can make the argument, uh, JT, that uh, that Wright is the best linebacker this team has had okay, yes. in 10 years. I Absolutely. Think that's a real, I think that's a real argument. I'm surprised that Seattle let him go. One, because he was there for... All right, I think we lost Big Al. Appreciate the call. Yeah, I don't know how much Wright has left. I think there was the price that the Seahawks weren't willing to pay anymore as the Seahawks 
with trying to upgrade their offensive line and their team for Russell Wilson. And Russell Wilson obviously wanted more help on the offensive side of the ball. 702-365-9200. I just say do, the, do whatever, whatever makes the team, whatever makes the team better, go do it. And this was kind of surprising to me. Now, I knew they were going to get Yannick Ngakwe. That's the player I've been talking about for a year. Max Crosby's a hell of a player. Cleland Farrell, I think, is a great athlete who's now getting pushed to play at a higher level. But Gerald McCoy, you take that guy, you take that guy any day of the week. Any day of the week, unless you just don't think he can hold up for a 17-game schedule. And, and it looks like he's going to be ready to go. Raiders very active today. Let's go out to the sports director from Fox 5, Kevin Bollinger, who joins us. And Kevin, with Gerald McCoy and now Adam Schefter reporting K.J. Wright coming to Vegas for a visit. Looks like the Raiders are still looking to upgrade that defense. That's right. At, uh, you know, they're making sure that uh, everybody knows that you got to go out and fight for a position, and they're going to bring in guys that, uh, when they get the opportunity, that can make that defense go. And kudos to them to uh, to do that because the, the more firepower that you can get, especially on that defensive side of the ball, where I think they need the most help, uh, that's going to hopefully uh, bode well for them uh, as they go through uh, the season. You and I have been at a lot of these practices, you more than me. Did you sense, I mean, we're, most of them weren't in pads until recently, and there's only so much you can see, but Solomon Thomas, Quentin Jefferson, John Hankins, that this isn't because these guys played poorly. I'm just thinking that's because they got a player in McCoy whose price finally dropped enough that they could go get him, and I, I think McCoy didn't have a lot of options other than Vegas, and Vegas pounced. Yeah, it was opportunity-driven, I think. Uh, as you've seen out there, the, the defensive line and, and the offensive line, for that matter, have been two of the hardest-working groups out of training camp. Those guys have been going at it uh, the entire time, so I don't think it's necessarily a knock on any particular player. I think that, as you said, the opportunity was there to get them at the right price because I'm sure that uh, they did not anticipate somebody like McCoy being available this late in the game that he would have signed with somebody else. Now that the price has dropped, same with K.J. Wright, who is familiar with Gus Bradley's defense from the Legion of Boom days in Seattle. Uh, it gives them some, some options of people to come in and push everybody a little bit harder here. Uh, we still have a month to go uh, in training camp before that first game, so uh, a, lot, a lot of things to be decided. Yeah, I think this is important. Kevin Bollinger joins us, Fox 5, their sports director for Fox TV, great Raider affiliate. And I'm confused by this because – I know that the, I, I thought the depth chart was pretty much set. And then you bring in two potential new starters on defense, and we'll see what happens with Wright after his workout and he takes a physical and all this. But that really shakes things up here because those are two jobs that aren't going to be available to the guys who have been out there in the offseason program and working out the last couple of days. That sends a message as these guys work in the, walk into the building and get their helmets and pads and come out there that other jobs are on the line. No question. It's a numbers game uh, as you get down through the cut system that they've gone back to in the NFL uh, as it gets tiered. And the Raiders want to make sure that it's on the defensive line. They can bring fresh guys in at waves. They know that in the fourth quarter of games, their defense has got to be more stout than it has been. And if they have some bodies in key positions uh, that they can put in there to, to rotate guys in and keep people fresh, then that's certainly what they're they're going to do. So, 
the players are, are who are there are, are not dumb. They're looking at the numbers and, and they're uh, working things in their head. And they know that, hey, it's time to step up and win a job because that's what they're going to have to do. So, Kevin, what was your takeaway after padded practice as you were out there for a few? I know you're getting content with Gruden and Carr for the preseason broadcast. Seems like Carr is really locked in and enjoying the fact that Edwards and Ruggs are getting a lot of really good looks here as Waller missed a couple of days of practice. No question. And, and Derek Carr talked about that yesterday, the fact that, you know, with Waller not being at the last two practices, it did give him a chance to do things with the other receivers. And he talked about the fact that when the Raiders are in certain formations, everybody knows that he's going to Waller. Uh, now without him there, it does give him an opportunity to work in some other guys and, and continue to, to build on that. Uh, not concerned at all about the fact that Waller's missed the last couple of practices, uh, but, but I think that it is good to give Derek Carr some rhythm uh, as they did get in the full pads and you're seeing more offense versus defense type situations that you can't really do as much in the acclimation period, which is basically a glorified ramped-up walkthrough. Uh, now they're getting really down uh, to the nitty-gritty here as they work towards that first preseason game against Seattle a week from Saturday. Kevin Bollinger joins us, Fox 5, here in Vegas. I also think another big storyline is how quiet it's been for Alex Leatherwood. You know, we're not seeing a lot of drama out there, him getting beat. You know, Ryder's talking about him not being ready, not just being there. He's going to be a work in progress. It's been pretty solid. He goes out there, he starts on the right side, he does his job, and everybody thinks he has a big veteran presence out there as a rookie because he played at such a high level for Alabama. Yeah, a lot of the players have commented on the fact that Leatherwood acts like an old guy. Uh, even Josh mm. Jacobs kind of laughed when he was at Alabama and he came in as a freshman. He was he was a, an old young guy, if you will. Uh, he has come in and just put his head down and worked. He's uh, not uh, somebody who's going to be uh, flashy, uh, you know, looking for uh, any type of attention outside of the drills. He has uh, buried himself in his playbook and learned it and, and is just a grinded-out type of, of lineman. It's exactly what John Gruden likes, and they've been extremely happy with the way that he has uh, come to camp ready to go. And when you have the other offensive linemen in your group saying, you know, this guy is, it acts like a veteran, uh, that's a good sign uh, that he can hit the ground running because they're going to need him to this year. Kevin, this will be a practice Sunday in Allegiant Stadium. I know John Gruden – wants to flip and turn around that record at home in Allegiant Stadium. This time it'll be with fans. We'll have fans during the preseason and the regular season. And I think it's going to be nice to switch it up and get into Allegiant, considering those practices are so early in Henderson as they try to beat the Heat. Yeah, you get into a climate-controlled building, and, and you know you notice it on the back end of the practices when it, it really jumps from being a comfortable temperature out there in the, in the 7.30 hour. And then when you get to that last hour of practice, you can really feel the difference in the heat on those guys. So to get into a Legion Stadium, get into a little bit of a routine, uh, I think it's important. I think that when they go down and, and scrimmage with the Rams prior to that second preseason game, to me that's the most critical part of the training camp because uh, that's when most of your ones are going to get a lot of time. They may not appear – in these preseason games, but they will going up against the Rams ones in those joint practices. So I think that the, the stepping off point, if you will, is going to be that scrimmage on Sunday at Allegiant Stadium to, to get some work with one versus one within your own team 
and then keep building for the ones versus ones against the Rams down at their Thousand Oaks camp. Hey, Kevin, finally, I know your colleague, Vince Sapienza, has been covering it. The Marc-Andre Fleury, it really hurt when he put on that Blackhawks jersey the other day in their locker room. Uh, how, has, how has this town reacted to that over the last couple of weeks with the initial news, the coverage of it? You covered the story, and now we're a couple of weeks away from it with all the moves that the Golden Knights made, and there's no Marc-Andre Fleury. Well, I think that the people that maybe uh, became fans of the Golden Knights maybe weren't huge sports fans, but latched on to the Golden Knights at the very beginning with everything that happened are getting their first dose of what professional sports is all about. Uh, and it's a business. And the Golden Knights felt that that was a business decision that they had to make to better their club. And that's what they did. And, and a lot of people were not happy. Uh, anybody who was on social media uh, knows that. And I'm sure that uh, there were plenty of uh, voicemails and emails sent to the Golden Knights front office after that. But let's face it, it is a business. And they were crunching some numbers. They didn't feel that they could go with two goalies that cost $12 million against the salary cap for another season. Uh, Fleury makes $7 million. Robin Leonard makes 5 I think that both players were put out on the market. It wasn't necessarily we're going to get rid of Fleury. I think that that's just the deal that got completed first. And, you know, it's unfortunate because he really was the face of the franchise and so beloved in the community. Uh, And I would not be surprised to see him keep his house here and still have a presence in Las Vegas after he's retired as well. Hey, Kevin, one more on the way out. What type of special programming you have coming up for the Raiders here leading up to the preseason game? We got a lot going on, JT. We, of course, are showing all three of the preseason games on our station. And coinciding with that, we're doing a half-hour pregame show prior to each game. We're going to have all kinds of content, uh, starting with that first game against Seattle a week from tomorrow, uh, pregame at 5.30, kickoff at 6. And since that's the only one at Allegiant Stadium and the first one where Raider Nation is going to watch the silver and black in Allegiant Stadium, it's going to be heavy doses of of kind of giving people a feel for Allegiant Stadium. But I'm also sitting down to go one-on-one with John Gruden in, in that show. And then the next week, we're going to sit down and talk with Derek Carr. Uh, so we're going to have all types types of different content to, to get people ready for the game that night, but more importantly, get them ready for the season and get them ready for this organization as people are starting to get uh, live, in-person eyes on them. That's uh, going to be an exciting year for the Raiders. Absolutely, and you guys do a great job with your coverage. Thanks, Kevin. Have a great weekend. All right. Thanks, JT. Kevin Bollinger, Fox 5 right here in Vegas. Good coverage, solid coverage, and they're the home of the Raiders right there in the preseason. You'll catch all those games and the extended half-hour televised pregame show. And I'm sure with only one preseason game at home, a lot of people are excited for that game coming up in Vegas at Allegiant Stadium. Most I don't know how many people have seen the stadium or not. You had the opportunity to do it with Garth Brooks, another opportunity to do it with the Gold Cup. Some people saw UNLV last year. Many people are going on the tours. The Raiders have a tour guide company. They give tours in the stadium, and that's been a home run. So I'm, I'm assuming some people saw it, but most have not. And it'll be the first time, especially fans who are coming in from Oakland and L.A., who have their season tickets will be to their only preseason game. And they're all going to try to figure it out. I got people calling me now asking me, where should I stay? I'm like, really? You're calling now to ask where you're going to stay in Las Vegas for Raider games? got to get on that got to figure out where you're going to stay rooms are going to be what they are you know there's different price points here in the city 
It's a lot of hotels. If you want to be close to the stadium, if you want to be downtown, if you want to stay at the brand-new Resorts World, if you want to stay at the official hotel of the Raiders, uh, the Raiders Tavern and Grill inside the M, wherever you're going to stay, you got to pick up the phone and make those resignation, uh, reservations now before these rooms fill up. Big Al, phone dropped. He's back on. Wrap it up, Big Al. How are you? I'm good. Uh, just to wrap this up, uh, you know, I can't see how Wright could leave the building if he's mm-hmm. coming in. Apparently he's not signed and sealed, but you can't let him leave the building, especially with, you know, with Bradley there. But, you know, this is not unusual. I mean, you take a look at the Raiders' 2018 season, John Gruden's first season. There were over 150 players that wore uniforms either in the preseason or or during the season, practice squad or suited up for games for that team. Some were duplicates, I understand, came in, came out. A couple guys came in three times. But this is not unusual for the Raiders or another team to keep bringing in guys to try to get their team better. You know, GMs on a Sunday, they watch the game, but the minute they see a guy go down, they're on the phone to an agent during the course of the game to get that guy in for a workout Monday, Tuesday. I anticipate that we're going to have an awful lot of uh, turnover in the first six weeks of this season while Bradley gets his guys in there who can play his style of ball and do it efficiently and effectively. Thank you, Big Al. You're right. It's going to be Gus Bradley bringing in guys for workouts, seeing if they're fit, if they're not injured, if they recovered from their injuries, and they're good enough to help the team. That would be Gerald McCoy and K.J. Wright, two players better than pretty much anybody on the Raider defense, other than Yannick Ngakwe. With all due respect to everybody else, the rest of the players There's some good players. Nicholas Morrow, improving by the day. There are a lot of people who are getting better on this defense. I think Trayvon Mullen's going to get better. Hopefully, Jonathan Abram gets better. Hopefully, there's several players that step up their game. But we don't have to wait and see with that with Gerald McCoy. If Gerald McCoy just plays the way he's played, we know what the tape looks like. And the same thing for K.J. Wright, who is one of the all-time great players the last decade in the entire sport at the linebacker position. He was super elite at one point, and he would come in and pick up this defense with the snap with Gus Bradley, and someone's going to go to the bench. And it's not going to make me shed a tear. If you get a guy like K.J. Wright in there and he can play, he deserves to be on the field. Triple eight, Mad Dog 6 as we continue. Oh, excuse me. Thank you, Bobby. I'm doing my show tonight, and then I'm off to Canton. Thank you. 702-365-9200. Uh, my conversation with Tom Flores' local television station in Fresno. The Ryan Hollins on NBA Free Agency. And more on the Raiders making moves as I'm heading out to Canton, courtesy of Grimaldi's, the best pizza I ever had. He has reached the pinnacle with being a quarterback and and a coach. It's very commendable. Give it to him while he's here. The countdown to Canton continues. Here's JT the Brick. Love that. That's Carlos Santana exclusively from the Raiders media department. PTs remind you in August, book your fantasy football draft party at PTs. Draft your ultimate fantasy team at your favorite PTs tavern while enjoying ice cold $7 pitchers and food packs for only $20 for a group of four, 40 for a group of six. They do a hell of a job over the decades at PTs when it comes to fantasy football. They will host your fantasy football party. Don't think of anything else. 
PTs, happy hour five to seven, midnight to two. Big hour coming up next before we hit the road tomorrow morning. And I fly into Cleveland, rent a car with my wife, go to Canton, and then get after it for a good weekend with the Raider Nation. Really excited about it. Wish Chris from West Oakland was there, but you'll hold down the fort in the Bay. What's up, Chris? Oh, absolutely, JT. Hey, real quick, before I talk about Coach Flores and the whole Hall of Fame, I like the K.J. Wright pickup, but you kind of know my my feeling over the years. We always seem to get these guys when they're way past their prime. I think Malcolm Smith, Bruce Irvin, we never got the studs from Seattle. That being said, even if he's still 75% of what he once was and still makes him probably the best linebacker on the Raiders right now. So, hey, why not? It's a no-lose situation. If he comes in and plays well, you you got to steal. Same thing with Gerald McCoy. If it doesn't, it doesn't cost you anything. So I'm hoping it works out well. But as far as the Hall of Fame, do me one favor, JT, when you hit the, when you hit Canton tomorrow, to have an ice-cold cerveza and shot of tequila. Mention my name to Coach Flores. It, it, congratulations. Long time overdue because what my phone call right now is going to be what you talked about in the first hour or earlier in this hour. Um, I think it was Paul Gutierrez. The Raider hate when it comes to Canton. When I've heard people over the years say, oh, it's Raider paranoia. No, it's not. You look at the guys that are not in the Hall of Fame. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to go a couple of players list by list. Kenny Stabler was a member of the all-70s decade team was the last member of the All-70s team to go in the Hall of Fame, had to wait till he died. Cliff Branch, I take that back. Cliff Branch was a member of the All-70s decade team, clearly the most feared receiver in football during the decade, not in. Lester Hayes, All-Decade team in the 80s, Defensive Player of the Year, one of the great corners of all time, doesn't even get a sniff. So for people that say there's Raider fans being paranoid, take a look at, you know, look at the eye test. Look at all of these not good Great, great Oakland Raiders that aren't in the Hall of Fame. And like I said, Coach Flores, as long as he's had to wait when guys like Bill Cower and Tony Dungy got to go in ahead of him, not saying those guys aren't deserving, but Flores should have been in 20 years ago. So, again, my friend, have a great trip to Canton. Have an ice-cold cerveza and a chilled tequila for me in honor of Coach Flores. It's a long time coming. I'll say, oh, and also to Charles Woodson, like you said, the obvious ones get in. We know the Woodsons are going to get in. We knew the Art Shells, the Gene Upshaws. But it's the guys that, you know, the next level, the Lester Hayes's, it's a crime that these guys aren't in canon. And the Raider, maybe it's time Mark Davis builds his own Raider Hall of Fame and screw Canton because these guys are long overdue. And as an Oakland Raider fan that grew up with these guys, I'm tired of seeing them shortchanged. And I'm tired of seeing my heroes die before they go in and never get their day in Canton. Thank you, my friend. Have a wonderful, safe trip. And I'll talk to you on the other side. Thank you. I appreciate that very much, Chris. And you're very passionate about the Raiders. Chris has been to every home Raider game but one in his lifetime, and he loves the Raiders. And you're right. You know, hopefully someday, whatever Mark Davis decides to do with the non-Hall of Famers here in Vegas to pay tribute with him, to them, I'll be right behind it. I'll be right on that side. Want everybody to feel really happy about the wait for Tom Flores because there's no bitterness. Paul McGuire, his best friend, not bitter. Was bitter, but celebrating this. Paul Paul was his best friend, his teammate in Buffalo, and they are best friends in life. Their wives are best friends, and he's going to be there at the party celebrating this. So it's not about, you know, when, when I land in Canton, you know, Cliff, I always think of Cliff Branch because Cliff took me under his wing and was so nice to me throughout my career, and I just thought Cliff was a lock for the Hall of Fame, and it was just a matter of time. It was just a matter of time, and Cliff would be there, and he'd be in there for 20 years. And he died unexpectedly. 
and Coach Flores, Coach Flores is still in good shape. But they really took, uh, the Hall of Fame took 15 or 20 years of his life of being a Hall of Famer. And as you know, as Chris says, as Paul Gutierrez told me, there was a lot of, just a lot of politics. And Tom Flores shouldn't have been a victim of politics. He's not anymore. He's not a victim. He's a Hall of Famer. And it's going to be great to see him. Everybody make sure you DVR everything starting tonight on NFL Network so you don't miss out on any of this. One hour to go before wheels up to Canton right here on Raider Nation Radio, 920 a.m.